you know, uh, so many things can be transformed and changed and laws and, and, and things that are happening that are, are so quick. And, and, and I realize that folks are, uh, it's causing anger and frustration, not just here, but around the world. And, and when you find, you know, individuals like I, I mentioned, Brother De Guzman, who was in Guam and said, we can't get the ships from the United States because they're, they have to be unloaded in California and then put back on different ships and sent to Guam, sent to Hawaii, which is why things cost there and, and uh, so much more, et cetera, et cetera. And I, as you begin to hear what's going on, and then you hear, well, our supply, and then the price of fuel, and all these things bombard us in this hour that we are, in a sense, rocking and reeling. And the Bible describes it like a drunk man. And that's when the world systems begin to uh, show that there needs to be a one world leader that's going to step in, that's going to solve all the problems, that's going to, uh, uh, you know, level the playing field and get everybody. And we've all, all of a sudden, you know, have uh, uh, more and more with regard to, uh, you know, electronic banking and electronic uh, everything. We don't want to handle that nasty cash. And all of these are signs. And, you know, the signs of the time and so it was with that in mind that last week I, I talked about getting uh, rapture ready. Getting rapture ready. And I started it on Sunday morning and Brother Jamie Galoni preached Sunday night. And, and then we were at conference Wednesday and I, I couldn't get away from it. I, I was reading some other things and trying to study the word. And I, I just I, I couldn't get away from how are we going to get ready in this hour and what is it going to take to get us ready? And I, I know I, I began last week, and I'm, I'm going to go through some of these first slides quickly because I, I preached on this. I started on it last week, but I have, uh, uh, I didn't finish, and I've added some things. But just to give you sort of a, an understanding to catch you up if you don't remember, if, if COVID has impacted your brain and you forgot what I preached last week, uh, I understand. I, I have trouble with that as well. But just to give you, catch you up. Corinthians says, For godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation, and not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world works death. And so I begin talking about what godly sorrow is, that it works, it should bring us to repentance. Godly sorrow is different from, you know, being sorry that you got caught, being sorry for the state of the world, and being sorry for what's going on in your life, and I, I feel bad, I don't like this, I, I'm sorry, uh, you know, if all of a sudden I, I get caught doing something that I shouldn't have been, uh, you know, uh, I, was, I, I, I was kind of intrigued this week whenever, uh, I guess, you know, our famous Ohio State, 
interstate coach was uh, caught in Columbus in a bar with someone that wasn't his wife and 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 I guess you know he was very sorry he was very very sorry I'm so 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 sorry I'm so sorry I let my team down I let my family down I am so sorry and yet I don't know that it was godly sorrow he was sorry because he got caught godly sorrow helps you turn your life around you know and that's the difference and, and you may say, well, but pastor, uh, you know, you know, I, I feel bad. I come to church and I and the Lord, you know, quickens me and tells me what I've done that's wrong. But you know what? You have to understand repentance is one of those things that helps us get and stay rapture ready. As a fact, Simon Peter, who, of course, denied the Lord three times, who was guilty of, of, of trying to cut off a, and did cut off a man's ear and trying to use a sword to protect the Lord. He writes in his book that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance. And it's not a, a one time and done and, and then I, I don't have to worry about it. And, and he goes right into, uh, continues in his book talking about we ought to have a holy conversation and be godly and look for a new heaven and earth and be found in peace. And I read those last week and to be blameless and to grow in grace and all of those things. And, and yet when you realize that we are part of the Gentile church which was birthed in the book of Acts and Acts the 10th chapter was when Cornelius you know was uh, uh, Simon, this same Simon Peter that wrote this book had to be convinced to allow uh, them to go to Gentiles they did not believe in Gentiles didn't like Gentiles didn't want to talk to Gentiles that's us we're not Jewish so we would have been the Gentiles that he didn't want to talk to and all of a sudden the Lord let down a sheet and you remember the story and Cornelius and he goes to Cornelius and, and he's preaching there and he, I guess he just felt like well you know I, I, I God's kind of uh, given me this vision and he's pushed me to come here and so he's preaching away Simon didn't have faith that they were going to get the Holy Ghost he didn't know they were going to get the Holy Ghost he was just you know it's like okay God I'll go preach you've pushed me into this Lord he didn't go there saying, man, I'm expecting God to move. I have faith God's going to... He, he was just talking about who Jesus was. And you know what? In the midst of him just talking about who Jesus was, boom. The Holy Ghost fell and they began to speak in tongues and magnify God. And Simon was shocked and he said, you're, you're, this is blowing my mind. He said... Shouldn't we baptize them? Because they got the Holy Ghost like we did. 
and then and all of that happened in Acts the 10th chapter and how Simon describes it to the Jews in the 11th chapter is so powerful because he said you know he said when they heard these things the 11th chapter of the book of Acts they held their peace and glorified God saying then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life because you see when the Lord wants us godly sorrow it is supposed to make a change and get us into life and life more abundantly and so when you look at the individuals John the Baptist preached repentance Jesus preached repentance Paul preached repentance Simon preached repentance Jesus told the parable of the shepherd with a hundred sheep that lost one, the woman with the lost coin, the father with a rebellious son. And he said, likewise in heaven there's joy in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents. Now, what, you know, Jesus himself prayed in the garden. He said, I don't want you to, to take them out of the world, but keep them from evil. And so for the, I, their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So there is a part of us that the Lord, why do we need to repent? Why is there repentance? Why? It, it is, you say, well, I don't like to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad for what I've done. But there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And I am just simply saying again every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, every day, I die daily. I say, Lord, I want you to wash me again. Get me back on track. Forgive me. Get my mind and my heart right. Why? Because I want to get ready to be in a lighthouse. I want to be a witness. I want to be able to help someone else. That's what godly sorrow does. I don't have to be caught to repent. Right? It doesn't have to be the remorse. It doesn't have to be I've done wrong. It is that sense of washing me, sanctifying me, cleansing me. That's why Simon would write in his first book, He bare our sins in his own body on the tree. We being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And, and Jesus, you know, Jesus repeatedly, he said it in Matthew, he said it in Mark, he said it twice, is recorded in the book of Luke. He said basically this same verse. He said, for whosoever shall save his life shall, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and the gospel's sake, the same shall what are you saying? He was basically saying, guess what? You're either going to die out for him or you're going to die getting caught up in the spirits that are out there that will eat you up. You say, oh, you know, anger, frustration, fear, anxiety, vitriol. Huh? Oh, I'm, not, I, I'm above all of that. Nobody can offend me and nobody's going to... Huh? Be honest. Oh, I, you know, the works of the flesh are these. And you go through <laughs> addictions and <laughs> adultery and, <laughs> and partying. And, oh, huh? We, we look and we go, I, I can't. 
How could a guy that makes $9 million a year not fly back with his team and end up in a bar somewhere? Oh, and he's married and got grandkids and he had just eaten supper with them and he goes from eating supper with them next door to a... Huh? I'm going to tell you, that's, the, uh, that's what the world is full of. And that's the spirits that are there. That I somehow, I, I, I can do my own thing. I can do whatever I want. Because I'm, you know, I'm go it, it was my choice. I, I want to do it. I want to go for it. I don't want to. I don't think I should. I, 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 I. As opposed to saying... What would the Lord want me to do? What would God say about this? You know, and I understand. It's the paradox of living. And, and we, we, you know, that's why when we go down into a watery grave of baptism, the symbolism is that as Christ died and was buried and comes up, then when you go into the water, what is it supposed to happen? I am showing symbolically that I'm dying to me. I'm being buried so that I can come up and walk in newness of life. So it's not about what I want, how I feel, what I want to do. But all of a sudden it transformed into what does the Lord want? I want to be rapture ready. The Lord is coming for me. I stay in a moment of repentance. You say, well, that's why Paul would say it like this. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all of a sudden, if I want to save my life, I've got to lose it. I, I've got to stay on an altar. If you want to get rapture ready, you've got to stay in a state. You say, well, I don't like feeling guilty. I don't like feeling... <laughs> You're, 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 you're having worldly sorrow. What you've got to have is godly sorrow. That it brings you to repentance. Lord, change me. Keep me washed. Keep me cleansed. Why? Because, the, you know, I, I all of a sudden, as Paul said here, when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. He goes on in his book and in Galatians and he says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and they're contrary one to another so that you can't do the things that you would yeah, brother Todd Brown was asking me the other day you know well how do you get in agreement and two people I, I want to tell you something it's a constant battle to stay in agreement with the spirit and to keep your flesh submitted to and Paul was saying that he was saying that's why we live in a moment of godly repentance godly sorrow why? Because there is a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul even said, I want to do certain things and I don't do them. And I'd like to do this and I don't do it. And, I, and then he goes through a whole list. You can read it in Galatians, the fifth chapter. He goes a list through of sins and I, I don't, I'm not even going to read them. But you, you know, if, if you're doing them... It's probably on there. And then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace. Huh? Amen. 
And he said, we have crucified that. Why? Because I want to be rapture ready. And they that are Christ, he said it very specifically, have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, may let us also walk in the Spirit. If you want to be rapture ready, I'm telling you, you've got to make up your mind to live in godly repentance and sorrow and say, I want to be, get this flesh under control. Say, well, I just can't do it. The Holy Ghost, that's what the power of the Holy Ghost is all about. Yes. All of a sudden, you know, you say, well, I can't do that, Pastor. That's harder than I can. Well, I, you have to understand that, that, you know, these writers in the New Testament, they were very candid. They said, in John, John wrote, he said, these things I write unto you that your joy may be full. This is not supposed to be depressing. It's not depressing to live for God. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, I, you know, I don't get to have fun and I don't get to party with all my friends and they all want to do it. But wait a minute. This is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you. God is what? Light. And in him there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, guess what? You know who you're lying to? Yourself. And you can look in the mirror and say, well, I'm not very bad and I have, I'm not doing too bad. And the Lord convicts you and you feel bad and he turns the spotlight on. And well, I know, but you don't understand. I was raised this way. My, my mom and dad, you know, they were mean and they dropped me on my head when I was a baby. And this is that. And I, I have, I have, you know, I have ADHD, PSTD, ODD, XYZ. And, and I, I, I'm saying that tongue in cheek and I, because I believe all of those can be real and are real situations. But let me tell you what it boils down to, F-L-E-S-H. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. We all have something. We all have some reason why. Do I think we, we, we have an ACTS program and we try to help and we recognize and we can counsel and we can help. But I'm going to tell you something that I, I know it's more than just saying stay full of the Holy Ghost. And, but you know what? There was, an, you know, when I was little, you know, it was you, you pray through. You pray through. And I know we don't want to talk about that very much anymore. And that's not a real popular thing. But, you know. I, I remember a story about a, a man that, you know, came in and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized and, and, and he was, you know, he was struggling with his snuff. Now, y'all don't know what snuff is and too young and I get it. And, and he was driving down the road and man, it just kept hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. And he just pulled his truck off the side of the road and said, all right, put it in park. And he said, God, we're going to get something straight. We're going to settle something things right now. He got out of his truck, walked into the woods and took off his coat 
rolled up his sleeves and started praying, saying, God, this is just, this is bothering me. This has got a hold of me. And I'm tired. Of, you said you'd break every chain. And I'm just going to believe it. And he prayed. And about an hour and 45 minutes later, he's sweating and he had been crying. He came out, rolled down his sleeve, got back in his truck. And he said, you know what? I've not ever been bothered by snuff again. I've had other things that I've been bothered by. But snuff, I got it settled. It was settled. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to crucify this and I'm not letting it up. I'm telling you that's the kind of power that the Holy Ghost has to deliver you. Uh, and I understand. I understand. Some folks you know, it, it takes longer to get deliverance, and I got it, and it takes, it's harder. And I'm not, I'm not telling you one trip into the woodshed with God and an hour and 45 minutes is going to do it. That's why Paul said, I got to slay this thing every day. I got to get it settled. I, I, you know what? <laughs> he is able. That's what Paul, John said. He is able to cleanse us from all sin. And if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. But he was manifest that he would take away our sins. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. That's why you've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You've got to stay full of the Spirit of God. You've got to be ready to go in the rapture. You've got to live in a state of godly repentance and sorrow. And you say, well, I don't know. God knows. You're right, he knows. You read the book of Revelation, chapter 1, 2, and 3, before the coming of the Lord. And you know what the favorite line in there of Jesus is to the churches? I know. I know. Don't think God doesn't know. Oh, he doesn't know what I'm going through. He told every one of those churches, I know your works. I know your tribulations. I know your poverty. I know your patience. I know where you live. I know what you've been through. I know, I know, I know, I know. You can say, well, I, I, you know, why doesn't God understand? And I want that. He wraps up with Laodicea. You know, and that's supposedly the, the last church age, the one we're living in. And he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. If the Holy Ghost is bothering you and you feel like, oh, you know what, I don't need to do that. I, oh, it may not be a huge, it may not be in the Galatians 5th chapter of all the biggies, but if the Holy Ghost is touching you with it, you know what, be, ze be zealous therefore. What does that mean to be zealous therefore? Oh God, here he is dealing with me again. Zealous with zeal. 
with vigor. Get out of the truck. Go across the wood pile. <laughs> Say, we're going to get some things settled here. Why? Because the Lord is standing at the door and he's knocking. And if any will hear my voice, I will come into him and sup with him. Oh, what's so sad about the Laodicean church is they thought that they were well off and didn't know how pitiful they were. And we have a world right now. And I, I realize, you know, we're, we're seeing stuff that we, we didn't ever, we, didn't, we couldn't hardly believe. But we have a world that doesn't realize how naked and poor and blind and wretched it is. You would think that every church in the community would be full of people saying, Oh Lord, help us. And yet, we're still living in the moment like David said, Surely darkness will cover me, but the night is light. Darkness will hide, but the night shines in the day. Darkness and light are both alike. What are you saying in this hour? I'm here to tell you that, you know, you can think you can fool me. You can fool the church. I can fool you. I can fool my wife. But at some point, if I'm going to be rapture ready, God's not fooled. Amen. He knows. So if you want to be, you know, you say, well, pastor... What are you saying? And I, I know Paul went through to the Corinthian church and he goes through lists of people sinning in the church. Now I know nobody here is doing what all they were doing. Thank the Lord. But Paul listed them to the church and he said something like this, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That's why when I, I, I mentioned buried in baptism, when we are buried with Him by baptism and death, we should walk even so. We also should walk in newness of life. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, the Lord is supposed to make a change in your life that's why he is constantly why because he wants you to be rapture ready you don't have to live in fear oh I'm afraid I'm not going to make the rapture oh I'm afraid no I'm going to live in a state of godly sorrow and I'm going to stay repentant and say Lord wash me again and if I do that I will be rapture ready whenever I walk around and say oh I got this I don't need anything I don't need the altar I don't need to pray I can do my own thing that's when you're not ready when you think you've got it made is when you're not he said here in Romans being now made free from sin become servants slaves to God the paradox of slavery you're going to serve something you'll either serve your flesh and your desires or the desires that somebody puts in front of you. I mean, TikTok. I don't know what insane person sent out the first challenge. And kids will follow it. Horrible. Running up milk crates. Watch. Somebody challenged me. Dump water on my head. 
I'm not saying all of them are sinful and evil, but you see how easily we're served? Something comes across Facebook, says there's a toilet paper shortage, so I go out and buy, you know, a train load full. I'm not against that. Buy all the toilet paper you want. I'm not telling you. But we, we serve, huh? Things. The word, there's nothing wrong with those things. But make sure you're also serving. Because he says, be free from sin, become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end unto everlasting life. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In the Amplified, this verse is saying, But now since you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. And I don't want to talk about slavery. But that's the paradox. You're either going to pretend that you're free and serve the enemy and the world and the lust of the flesh. Or you're going to serve God. Amen. You will be a slave to something. Either your own passions You've been set free from sin Have become slaves to God You have your present reward in holiness That's Holiness is not about Oh look at me I'm better But the corruption That is in the world through lust The Lord has made a way Where we can escape that We don't have to have that stuff hanging around our neck all the time. Amen. We can be set free. Oh, you say, well, but pastor, I love it. I enjoy it. You know, there's pleasure in sin for a little way. But you know what? The end thereof, the wages of that is death. And what we have, the end is eternal life. For the wages which sin pays is death. Whether it's, you know, the addiction, it is the problems, it is the, la the destruction of the home, the marriage, the finances, you name it, all of a sudden, I don't know, you know, poor old Urban, whether he, I don't know if he'll keep his $9 million a year job or not, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I, I have to confess, I haven't been praying for him, but you know, probably should, but the point is, I, I'm just here to be candid with you. When he walked out of one restaurant into the next bar, I'm sure he didn't have in his mind what was going to happen. And some plumber or electrician who happened to be another patron in the bar. Well, that looks like old Urban. I know this is terrible. I wish I were. The wages thereof is. You, you, you couldn't. 
be a slave to God. But the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through and in union with Jesus Christ our Lord. I know it's not easy to mortify the flesh. It's not easy to live in godly sorrow. But I'm here to tell you, if you will do that on a daily basis, you will find yourself easier to walk in harmony with the presence of Almighty God. You will find yourself able to walk in and raise your hands and feel the presence of God wherever you are. You'll be able to touch the hem of his garment. Oh, you say, well, I, I want to go to a church and just patch my life up on Sunday morning. Sorry. That's why I told you we're not like the Kiwanis Club or... We're not in the patch-up business. Amen. I wish I could tell you that religion is a great band-aid that you can use to, you know, I, I, I don't, you guys are kind of like over the top over there. And that's okay for you, but I just kind of want, you know, this place that's ripped, I just kind of want a little hole. I want that sewn up. Jesus already told all about that. He said, I'm sorry. He used two parables, remember them? You can read them in Mark, Matthew, the ninth chapter, Mark, the second chapter, and Luke, the fifth chapter. He tells two parables. Anybody remember those parables? He said, nobody! He, he first one he talked about ladies and he talked about on the inside he said ladies if you basically he said man but he said it, mostly it was the women you know that are patching the clothes he said ladies you don't put a new piece of garment in an old ratted clothes and expect it to hold the tear will be worse. And he said, guys, when it comes to this wine, you don't find an old wine skin and put a patch on it. And I know that's not popular because we like to be patched up. Patch me up Sunday and I can maybe make it till next Sunday. Huh? I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be rapture ready with a patch put on the inner tube every Sunday. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be honest. I'm held accountable for making sure you understand. Jesus made sure the parables were told. It's not, he is not here to patch up your life. He is here to transform your life. He is here to make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things become new. I'm here to tell you, I, I know, I don't know when the Lord's going to come. I don't know if he's going to come this week. I don't know if he's going to come next week. I don't know when he's going to come. But what I do know is that I want to make sure 
sir. I am ready to go to meet him in the air. Titus said, said it like this, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But after the kindness and the love of our God and Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior who being justified by grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I'm telling you by the power of the Holy Ghost you can make heaven your home. You can stay rapture ready in a sin soaked world. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care how you were raised. God is able to change you and transform you. And I, I, I'm through. I want to read this one verse in Genesis and I'm through. I, I, because I asked, we had a, some of the men that help and minister and then I asked him a hard question last week and especially all of those that were dads I, I said which, which would be harder to cut your throat or to cut the throat of your child or your grandchild Which would be harder? Which would be harder? And to a man, every one of them said there's no a comparison. Cut my throat. I'm not going to want to cut the throat of my child, my grandchild. I don't Pastor, no way. And yet it was with that word that God spoke to a man that had no Bible, that had no church house to go to, that had no family that were saved. He called him out of her, said, follow me. And then he tells that man, he said, your son, your only son that you love, go and cut his throat. Offer him as a burnt sacrifice. Ooh. I can't hardly conquer this. Pastor, I just don't have the strength to conquer my flesh. Would you rather be asked to take out your only son? And not only cut him throat, but to cut him open and take his flesh off and put him on firewood and burn him and Whew. pastor you're popular today you got everybody excited so good to see brother Jim and sister Linda here I saw them earlier but we've been praying for them sister Linda but here would that be easy 
I can't imagine that it would. But notice when the Lord said, Take thy son, thy only son, whom Isaac, whom you love, go into Mount Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you of. Guess what? Oh God, surely you don't mean that. that I'm going to just be candid with you. I, I would have been... Now surely God, did I... Where does it say that in the Bible? Well, there is no Bible, Abram. Oh, but what? You don't think you're the only one that's got it rough to crucify the flesh? I wouldn't want to have been in his shoes. I'm sorry. What did he do? Got up early in the morning takes his axe, starts cutting wood. What are you doing, Abraham? I'm fixing to go kill my boy. Why? Because God asked me to do it. I, I can't get victory over my flesh. Get zealous. Get up early in the morning. Grab you an axe. Cut a little wood. <laughs> then he got up and he went, and you know what he told the man? He said, the lad and I are going yonder to worship. I'm still going to worship God. I'm going to love God. I know he's tried. He's been convicting me. He's been bothering me about what I'm doing. But you know what? I'm going to get the victory. Well, I'm not coming out of these woods until some things are settled. <laughs> he took the wood, laid it on Isaac, took the fire and the knife and went both of them together. What are you saying? Pastor, how can I get rapture ready? Well, let me just tell you. You got to be willing to crucify the flesh. The Lord's not asking you to take a knife to your children. I don't care what happens. The Lord's not asking for that. He's already gone to Calvary so that his blood would wash you. You have place now where you can bring it all and lay it at the altar. But he wants to transform you when you come back from that. He wants to work godly sorrow in your life. It's not something that just is happens on Sunday morning, a patch, but it's something that gets into my very being. And I say, you know what? One day he died on Calvary.